This episode is brought to you by Levitt Pavilion. This summer, check out one of my favorite outdoor concert venues in Denver, Levitt Pavilion. May through October, Levitt is offering ticketed and totally free all-ages concerts. I feel like we just go to anything that's free because it's like the kids can be at the show and it's people aren't weird about it and you can like bring a picnic. It's awesome. Some of the free shows this season include Iskali, Melvin Seals, War and Treaty, Sunny War, Charlie Tuna, and more. To RSVP for free shows and buy tickets, plus see the full concert schedule, go to levittdenver.org. That's levittdenver.org. Today on CityCast Denver, it was exactly three years ago this month that Coloradans plunked down their very first legal bets on sports. And now, Peyton Manning's out here doing ads for Caesars Sportsbook. What? Me and our host, Bree Davies, and a great first-time guest are talking all things sports betting, along with all the other local stories that mattered this week. Today is Friday, May 5th. I'm Paul Caroli, and here's what Denver's talking about. Welcome back to CityCast Denver, the show about the city whose airport is, quote, the scariest place former child star Macaulay Culkin has ever been to in his life. In his whole life, the Denver airport. Bree, did you see the big New York Times story about Blucifer, where I found that quote this week? No, I didn't. How dramatic for no reason. It was dramatic. I thought it was a nice story, though. I I do recommend reading it. What is the premise of the story that Macaulay Culkin's afraid of our airport? <laughs> no, it's like um, it's like a look at the conspiracy theories and the history. You know, we we just did like, the we show a few weeks ago. Yeah, they talked about it. It was nice. They got one detail that I really liked that I hadn't heard before. You know, the animatronic gargoyle uh-huh. from a couple of years ago. Um, New York Times reported that the name of the gargoyle is Greg, which is short for Greg O'Riden. Okay. I'll tell my husband Greg that. There there you go. There you go. I find that entertaining. Um, So you've heard her voice, Bree. Our our host, Bree Davies, is here. Welcome, Bree. Hi. And it is Friday. We are here at Westward, and we have one important piece of business that we really need to get into before we uh, properly start the show, before we introduce our guest, a very exciting guest this week. Um, And that is uh, the runoff. The mayoral runoff is happening. It's time to start thinking about it again because ballots are going out next week, I think around the 15th. So uh, we're talking to them soon and we need your help. What do you want to know? We know that there have been a million debates already and interviews, and we want to know what you haven't heard. What do you want us to ask these candidates? Because we're going to be interviewing both of them next week. So yeah, send us questions, send us comments, thoughts, uh, things you might want to hear them talk about that you haven't heard them talk about already. The Mayoral Madness Hotline is back open. That number is 720-500-5418. Again, that number is 720-500-5418. It's time to introduce our guest this week. Um, I'm so excited about this. I've wanted to have you on for so long. Um, She's the editor of 5280 Magazine. Lindsay King is here. Hi. Welcome to the show, Lindsay. Thanks for having me. Lindsay, how about you? Did you read the New York Times piece on... uh DIA? I did, actually. And I did a story years ago and got to go down in the bowels underneath the airport and oh, yeah? to look at like the weird baggage stuff yes. and the carts and it. So anyway, yeah, we did. I did that. And it is it's a little it's creepy. Not going to lie. A little bit. Creepy. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think they got it right? Do you think they got the story right? 
I, you know, I, I got to be honest. I'm not, I'm not sure. I haven't, I don't know all of the craziness. There's all kinds of weird stuff out there. Yeah. I, I thought it was odd that they did it right now. That was my thought, too. I was confused too. by the peg or lack thereof. Yeah, not really any reason. God, I mean, it's really it's anno- fun. Isn't it it's annoying, though, to be a journalist where you're like, I can't even read something without being like, what's the news peg? Why are you talking about this? <laughs> I know. <laughs> but I, I felt that same way. Right. I know. I mean, other than the name of the gargoyle, the, the news that I saw in there was that the airport has kind of backed off their embracing the conspiracy theories in oh, their really? promotion. Yeah. Why? Because... At least this is the impression I got. Maybe you feel differently, Lindsay. But, um, you know, the the true believers give them too much grief. Okay. Yeah. And, and also some of the conspiracy theories are like... Not fun. Not fun. Like the yeah. lizard people one. I didn't know this is rooted in um, oh, anti-Semitic tropes. I was like, hmm, is yeah. it racist? Okay. There's yeah. a lot of weird stuff out there that you're not quite oh. sure where it comes from or what maybe it... Yeah, it leans into. I didn't It's even... like not fun and kind of scary and weird and... Yeah. Not, yeah. And... Um, anyway, our top story this month marks three years since the state of Colorado implemented sports betting. And based on all the billboards and all the ads that clutter my internet, it seems to be a big hit. Uh, but more than that, it's really come to define the way a lot of people here consume sports. Um, so Lindsay, you wrote a really fascinating and wide ranging set of pieces about how it's going for 5280 this month. And I want to start, uh, where I think is the beginning. I mean, you said you downloaded an app to bet on the NCAA championship game back in January, but you didn't say if you won your bet on the game. So I want to know, did you win? (laughs) Well, I kind of won because I bet against my team because that's kind of the, that's the rule, right? Like, so if my University of Georgia Bulldogs lost, then I won money because I took the other team. Hmm. So technically I lost my bet, but I was happy about it. How did you feel about it? Did you get a rush? No, it it scares me. I'm not I don't have the constitution for this at all, but it's fascinating and I had never I had never done it before. I I downloaded one of the sports betting apps and it's intimidating. There's so much going on on those apps. It took me a really long time to figure it all out. But that's what I loved about your piece is you broke all that down for someone who has never, you know, here's the language that's used. Here's, you know, give it a little bit of time explore before you just jump in and bet. And I mean, if I was someone that was going to try it, that was really helpful information to think about. Yeah, because there's a lot out there, as you said, like the amount of apps, I think there's upwards of 23 or 24 that are allowed here in Colorado right now. And I'm like, how do, where do you even start? Yeah. Yeah. You both made it seem very easy to start and get into it and also very scary and uh, (laughs) maybe like a bad idea. (laughs) And maybe I, you know what, I got to be honest, it was something that I was interested in because of that, where I'm not, I'm not a gambler, um, but I felt like it's so accessible and so it's right on your phone, right? It's, you can do it any time of day or night, which becomes a little bit, uh, I guess a little bit scary about can you, can, is it too accessible? Yes. Well, we'll get into the hard stuff in a minute, but like for people who weren't around three years ago or three and a half years ago now when we voted on this, why did this happen in the first place? Well, everybody knows that sports betting until recently was like completely not okay in the the United States, right? It was this weird, no, but you couldn't do it. Pete Rose, like every, when you think about all of the things about sports betting, it was just so like un-American really. Mm -hmm. But there have been many things recently that have led up to this. But in 2018, Supreme Court overturned a case that had made sports betting illegal. And then, boom, it just proliferated across the country. 
mostly because of the daily fantasy sports hmm. that were already online. Oh, so FanDuel and yeah. DraftKings were daily fantasy sports apps. They That's what they did. And then when, when PAPSPA, which is the, the ruling, happened in 2018, it led the way for this to just go everywhere. But it becomes state by state. And so yeah. Colorado jumped in relatively early. Right. So Supreme Court flips the switch and then it goes to the moon. $10.7 billion of bets have been made, as you reported. Correct. Crazy. Yeah. Bree, do you remember the narrative around this? Like the story, what people were expecting? How did it feel? I, I mean, I, vaguely. I just, I think for me... I, as a person in recovery, I think about folks who struggle with this and the accessibility of things and then the proliferation of a thing and then the acceptance of a thing can be really overwhelming if you are one of those people that's prone to addiction issues. And so for me, it was like, as usual, when these things happen, there's not a lot built in to as a safety net or to support folks. And um, so I, I have to say that I've I voted against it, assuming that it was probably just going to sail through. Although I know when we were talking about this earlier, it didn't necessarily sail through. It's quite through. close. It's barely, barely passed. Which is interesting to me because I always, I feel like I'm in the minority, like I'm the party pooper who doesn't want that thing, <laughs> you know? Uh-huh. But clearly I was not the, not alone. So Yeah, I, I think a lot of people were conflicted about it. And in reading your story and thinking about who the opposition was, it was obviously like faith-based groups, understandable. Mm-hmm. Gambling is a sin or whatever. But also environmental groups were concerned because the, you know, the pay, the pay, not the payoff, but the other side of it was like this money that we make from it will go to water conservation. And folks were like, that's real vague. What's water conservation? Who's going to have that money? So I found that part interesting too, is that unintended consequences side of things that we mm-hmm. don't always think about. Um, but I, yeah, I don't, I just don't remember it being a super hot topic, but also three years ago feels like 300 years ago and 6,000 elections (laughs) ago. So it might've been, and I might be understating it. Yeah. I think the pandemic was probably a big part of it. I don't, I think the vote was maybe right before, but then when the pandemic starts, like young people have a lot of time to watch all sorts of obscure sports. That's how I got into sports was the pandemic. So yeah. Yeah. Well, Bree, you, you talked about the addiction issues. Lindsay, the, the one piece of this package that I think, you know, hit me the hardest was this story from the, the Greeley man, the anonymous Greeley man. Just tell us about that. Tell us everything about that. Yeah, absolutely. I actually reached out to some of the um, the gambling community and one of those being the Problem Gambling um, Coalition of Colorado. And they put me in touch with somebody who had reached out to them for help. And this young man, 21, was you know living in Greeley and he got on the phone with me and told me his entire story which as you mentioned was was kind of it's kind of heartbreaking you're listening to this kid who was telling me that he you know makes less than $30,000 a year and within days of getting each paycheck it was gone and the accessibility of having it on his phone was was absolutely killing him. He could not stop. And the reason he had reached out to the coalition was for help, but for help specifically in trying to get himself exempt from being able to gamble, which which is a thing. That was so interesting to me in your story was that this is a thing that um, you can do with casinos, right? It's like they basically, you can put yourself on a list. It yes. says, don't let me gamble. However, this young person learned 
Correct. This so, does not apply to the online gambling world, right? Not yet. It is in the works, okay. but it is, yes, essentially up in, up until right now, although it's in the works, an exemption really only stops you from gambling at a brick and mortar casino. And he's like, that's not my problem because I don't, I don't drive up to Cripple Creek or Blackhawk <laughs> or Central City. I can sit on my couch and do this. Currently, the, uh, the list that kind of the state is hoping to take that list over will ultimately help him in that you will not have to sign up with every single 23 apps to exempt yourself. You can do that. You can go, but each app to do that, it's like, that's like a full-time job. So this will create kind of a one-stop shop for you to be able to self-exempt once that gets up and running. Hmm. Hmm. <sighs> What else? Um, what else did you learn about the services or like support available for people who get in too deep? There, there's not a ton, is what I learned, and that I think for you mentioned earlier, when sports betting went into effect, there was something like one hundred and thirty thousand dollars put into a budget to be able to help with problem gambling, which is like nothing. Thirty thousand dollars up against over ten billion in revenue. I mean, just thinking about the numbers, not those are not directly correlating but 100 that's that's like maybe two two people two professionals maybe well and so you know the thing is right now in the state i think there are five when i started reporting this there were seven now there's only five certified gambling counselors in our state and very little money was going to helping people and you know you're you're talking about a really addictive Mm -hmm. very addictive thing that you know anything else alcohol you know there's a little bit more of a support system. Now, granted, this is new, and I don't know if if was really talked about the way that it should have been. But yeah, people were rightly upset. 130 grand is pennies. It's kind of offensive. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I also just want to say, with the addiction side of it, I think it's it's tough for folks to wrap their head around something that doesn't feel as pressing as something, say, like alcohol or opiate addiction, where you see the physical effects. But I think if anybody has ever been in financial trouble. The stress that you're under is immense. And I, at a young age, I think I just remember turning 18 and getting a gazillion credit card offers, right? And I got into a, a little bit of a financial pickle and my family had was able to help me out. But some folks don't have that ability. And then you your housing is in jeopardy maybe because you can't pay your rent or you know you fall behind on other bills. So it has the consequences of the addiction of gambling, I think, is much more stressful on somebody than it may seem on the surface. So it's, 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 I struggle with them saying, here's $130,000 to deal with this serious problem we might be potentially inflicting on thousands of people. Well, and a lot of the people I spoke with said they call it the hidden addiction because you, you don't come out of a three-day bender looking like you've been right. on alcohol or meth right. for three mm-hmm. days. Nobody, unless you're- You can do it at work. You can you do know, it at work. Nobody's tracking your bank account. So you don't they don't know that this is a struggle for you, right? It's really hard to see that somebody is struggling with this. And so that was one of the things that a lot of people talked about was it's hard to help if you if they can't if we don't they're not showing you it's happening. You know, it's interesting when we were talking about this, we um we talked a lot about weed and legalizing weed and how that took something that was this illicit thing and brought it out of the shadows. And part of the reason why we did that was so we, we could regulate it and make it safer. But with these apps and with sports betting, you don't even have a bookie. You don't even have like a human to look at you and say like, hey, you've lost like $100,000 this year. Maybe you don't want to make this bet with me. 
Not that I don't know if that actually. I was happens. like, I'm not bookie. We'll do that, but, bookie, but that'd be a really nice bookie. <laughs> I mean, the apps. But you at sure least don't have to face a person, that. right? You are yeah. you are alone in this space, which also is a lot of addiction is hiding, shame, fear. Mm-hmm. Those are all realities. But it, again, that accessibility is so different than walking to a dispensary, or you know, like you said, you don't have to drive up to I seventy anymore. Also, have you? I might be the only person that thinks casinos are extremely depressing, but like, I don't find them enjoyable at all. They're like the no, most soul sucking, <laughs> dystopian experience. Especially you drive to our gorgeous mountains, or you you get there. However, you uh-huh. you go to the mountains and you go inside of a box, a windowless box, a windowless where time box. Stands still, and people make fun of me because I like the mall, like. <laughs> This is so I can see where this would be extra appealing. Mm-hmm. It's more social too, right? You're betting with your friends. That's that's the whole thing that they kind of promote too in these apps. Because I'm watching basketball right now. It's every other commercial is betting, and it's like with your friends. You're having a party. Yeah. You guys are you know you watch the Super Bowl. Everybody's making bets. You can actually do it online now and make some real money. Yeah. Well, I mean, or lose some real money. That's the part I have to I have to speak for the other side a little bit because I had a really good experience with sports betting in the NFL playoffs uh, earlier this year. It was something that I did with my father-in-law. We watched the every Chiefs game all the way through. I always bet on the Chiefs. He always bet on the other team. Uh, so I won every time. It was just like, <laughs> it was so much more fun with a, just 10 bucks on the game. It made it more engaging. I cared more about every single play. Yeah, Paul brings up a good point. And I, I'm going to maybe get the statistics slightly wrong, but... Like any addictive substance, I guess if you can call it a substance, not really, but most people do not have a problem with it. Right. Mm-hmm. Most people can enjoy it. They can hang out with their friends. They can talk with their father-in-law. You know, the way that they've started to set this stuff up now, you can do it right as the game is happening. You're watching a baseball game. What is the next batter going to do? What is the next pitch going to be? It does create an engagement with a sport in a different way. And I'm a rabid sports fan and I I don't have a predisposition. And so I can see Mm -hmm. the fun of it. I understand if you can handle it, it's, it is good fun. And as long as you can be cool and, you know, put it away after you've lost your $30, then it's, it's a good, it's a good time. There's one piece of this we have to talk about before we move on, because it's just such a fascinating case study of how this fits into society, this sports betting thing. CU Boulder had a deal with, points bet sports book a sponsorship deal Lindsay, can you explain what happened and how this played out so points bet is actually headquartered here in denver it is just like any of the other ones DraftKings, FanDuel. they they're a betting app and they i think there became some kind of partnership i don't know who reached out to whom but cu boulder and points bet created a sponsorship essentially an advertising partnership where points bet was allowed to go on to CU's campus and mostly at the football stadium, but in other areas to put up advertising. And it was the first partnership of this kind in the country. So essentially what you're talking about is a sports betting company aligning itself with an NCAA athletics program, which it's a little bit weird if you think about how that... It feels weird. It, it feels a little weird. Yeah. And people thought it was real weird, and it got a lot of press. And the issues were kind of a, a lot of what you guys have been talking about, which is, is this a vulnerable population that we are now serving a whole bunch of betting ads to? I mean, you guys were in college in your 20s. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I made some of the worst decisions of my life. Well, and it's not oh, like you boy. have 
you don't have a lot of dispose most most kids do not have a lot of disposable income and a lot of the experts i spoke to said the problem is most kids don't do real well with budgeting in the first place and then if all of a sudden you are kind of inundated and you know there was there was stuff on campus it it just felt a little icky to be quite honest and it got a lot of press and the story didn't stop for all three years that this was going on they it was just constant for them and not too long ago they dissolved the partnership oh they did they Mm. did and it kind of came in advance of the kind of umbrella organization in the United States for betting saying that they were no longer going to allow their members um, to partner with collegiate, you know, athletics programs. Now, points bet is not part of that organization. So, mm-hmm. but I, I, who knows? They they were not willing to comment. But I, I do think that kind of the the atmosphere was no longer conducive to those types of partnerships. And there's very few across the United States. And it'll be interesting to see if they can hang on or if these those will dissolve as well. Hmm. I just see such a wild juxtaposition here between the amount of money a school can make on a sports betting app and how many people I know are in student loan debt. Like, like let's talk about the reality of where a lot of folks' finances are, especially young people, especially, I mean, again, my friends that are in their early or mid-30s who have a ton of student loan debt, I just, I don't know. There's just weird places where money shows up and weird places where it doesn't. And I I would feel very conflicted as a student. I would be, I feel, I would feel angry. It would feel very, um, I don't know, disingenuous Ex- well, or something. I don't know what it is. Maybe exploitive. Yes, you know, you exploitative. Have, you have... You have a whole bunch of young kids who are impulsive. Yes. And, you know, you, you want to be, whatever, I don't know, I wasn't cool, but like you want to be cool <laughs> around your friends and you're all, everyone's doing it. And, you know, the other thing that I thought was fascinating about kids, especially today, and I'm 44, but the idea is there's this different relationship to money. It's all digital. It's like Monopoly yeah. money now, right? Mm-hmm. It's on your phone. You attach this stuff to your bank account. Mm-hmm. It just flies right out of there. And if you have this digital relationship to money, it doesn't seem as real as it used to when you went to Vegas and had to like, give actual cash, right? Interesting. I wonder. I don't know. We should maybe talk to um, a young person about that because I feel that's probably just a different a generational thing. I bet. Yeah, it feels I'd be different. curious because I feel you too. I'm in the same, you know, I'm, I'm around your age too and- the physical it's so different now like not just sports betting but like i think about like i need something on amazon i just or it takes two seconds i order it and my delivery to my door and comes right out of my account and you know what i mean that's the end of that so yeah it's really easy but yeah I'd, I'd love to hear from young people on how they feel about money yeah um so we're talking about like where this sports betting thing fits into our world um i i want to talk i want to end with the the future um Lindsay, you know, you, you thought about this for a long time. It's a pretty serious package. We'll link to it in our show notes. Do you have a prediction for, for what's next for sports betting or where this is going to go? What everybody has told me that I spoke to says that's what's coming is going to be full casinos online. So not just sports betting. Right now, like you can't you can't go online and do, you know, roulette or mm-hmm. whatever. You can't do those things that you have to go to a brick and mortar for. But that may be coming. And I, I do think that that's, it's probably a few years off here in Colorado, but there are several states where you can, where this has already passed. And so a lot of the experts say this will, this, the sports betting was just the first step toward full online casino gaming. And I think they call it iGaming, which of course they do. 
good because we need more reasons to be on our phone. Great. <laughs> Perfect. And be not be social with other people in the same room as us. Yeah. Great. All right. Well, I think that's a good place to leave it. Um, <laughs> we'll be back uh, after this quick break with something else. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by the Colorado Wine Board. Because the wine community here is like surprisingly robust. I mean, think about Bigsby's Folly and Infinite Monkey Theorem here in Denver alone. And there are urban wineries all across the Front Range. Then there's the Western Slope, Peonia, I mean, Palisade. Hello, Palisade Wine, are you kidding me? It didn't used to really be a thing, but from what I hear, it's very much a thing now. There are more than 165 wineries across Colorado to explore, and they produce all sorts of wine that reflect our unique culture and climate. So finding a label that you're going to love is easy, no matter where your adventure takes you. Discover it for yourself and support local winemakers at coloradowine.com. That's coloradowine.com. All right, and we're back. Uh, so with uh, the second half of the show today, we're going to do a round of uh, one of our favorite segments, Underreported Stories from the Week. So we've each uh, brought a story we thought was underreported or overlooked, and we're going to shine a little bit more light on it. Um, Lindsay, Bree, who wants to start? So Denver, I did this piece about the 20 is plenty, um, I guess, campaign. Mm -hmm. City council lowered speed limits on residential streets to 20 miles per hour. And so now they're installing these thousands of, of signs. Um, letting folks know that the yeah, speed limit 20 miles per hour and yes. not 25 yes yeah um, this is a story from our friend Nate Miner and I think it's admirable and I appreciate it and I I know that I it was interesting uh councilman Cashman mentioned and was quoted in this story talking about he's he he gets pleas all day long from his constituents saying please do something about this people speed in this city and so I I, I struggle with is this enough it's so depressing that I can think of three people off the top of my head right now that have been killed by cars in the last three years. And these are just three people off the top of my head. I'm thinking about Tim Campbell, a gentleman who used a wheelchair, who was crossing Colfax to get to his bus stop and was hit by a car who ran a red light and mm -hmm. killed. I think about Joaquin Romero, a friend of a – he's a peripheral friend in my friend group who owns a boxing gym on uh, West Alameda, killed in the middle of his own street. Um, last summer, dude in his late 20s, early 30s, uh, Ainsley O'Neill riding her bike, also a friend of a friend on the north side, was an avid cyclist, and she was hit and killed. And I just wonder, is is putting up a sign going to be enough? Like, mm. what else can we do? And um, I, there's a, I think there's a bill going through um, the legislature right now, or at least it's, 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 I don't know where it is in the process, but it would institute um, the ability to uh, issue tickets through automated cameras. You know okay, what I mean? Because yeah. like right now it's illegal. So that could be a start, mm -hmm. I would hope. I mean, if that if if people getting tickets for speeding would get them to slow down, I just don't know if signs will. I love, I appreciate, I really appreciate because I know that um, Denver Streets Partnership has done a ton of work to even get these signs out there or at least push for this. So it's a big deal, but I just want people to think about when they're in their cars. Yeah. What do we do? How do we change our own behavior? Lindsay, what do you think about this as you're moving through the city? Well, I so I have moved here from Atlanta and which Atlanta is completely insane with traffic and but mm. you're in I mean the numbers are not good of fatalities here on our streets, pedestrians, you know, car to car, but uh, you know, I agree with you. Signs seem like something that 
seem like a good idea. And, and you're right. It's why not try it? But it just seems like the aggression and the yes. lack of care is really bad over the past couple of years. In my opinion, I feel like it has gotten significantly worse here recently. I don't know. Maybe people have kind of lost it over the past couple of years and it's coming out on the roads. I'm not sure. Yeah. I mean, it sure has been a rough few years. I've had moments like that for sure. Well, and you're a cyclist too, Paul. Do you Mm -hmm. think about that? Does that ever affect your thoughts around if you want to ride a bike somewhere? Yeah. Definitely. There's some roads that are just like unpleasant and it's kind of the only way to get somewhere. And so you just think or just... like pretty much anything in the suburbs when you're dealing with yeah. um, strodes, you know, the half street, half roads where it's just like a four lanes and it's lined with gravel and it's, you know, it's going to be broken bottles and <laughs> empty bottles of, you know, shooters that people have thrown from the mayor cars. And <laughs> yeah, anywhere where there's not <laughs> anywhere where there's not bike infrastructure, it's like it could be pretty dicey. Yeah. And, and that's a lot of places in Denver. Yeah. And I just, uh, the aggression thing, I think too, I, I want to have a bigger conversation about this because it's hard to know. Is it just anecdotal? Am I just feeling this way that people are going faster? But I think about if you're on a road like Spear, mm-hmm. is anyone going 30? I think, or 35? I think maybe 35 is no, the, no so if you go the speed <laughs> limit, if you go the speed limit on something like Spear, People ride right up on you and speed mm-hmm. around you. Even if you're going 10 miles over the speed limit on Spear, that's not fast enough for most people. You, I get whipped around all the time. It's what, And then someone's screaming at you and you're like, oh, sorry, I was going the speed limit. So I again, I question the, the usefulness of a sign when someone is too busy flipping me off because I'm going the speed limit. But I just hope that it I hope that it leads to a larger conversation because we talk about vision zero and, you know, it's honestly... They've instituted that and it didn't get any better. People are still dying on our streets. So well, I don't know. What's think, the next thing? I feel like part of the problem is that transportation is so political. And maybe it's yeah. just me because it's my you know head down in this stuff. But like yesterday, we just saw this story about a um, horrifying incident at Edgewater Public <gasps> Market in the parking lot this, where yes. two gentlemen, Tesla drivers, got into some kind of altercation and one of them at a charging shot station. and killed the other yeah. over access to a charging station at this public market just right off Sloan's Lake. I thought, I mean, that's road rage, right? That's like a different form of it. But there's all of these things loaded in there, like the electric cars and the infrastructure for charging them. Is there not enough of them? Yes, there's, it's not, but we're fighting over it. Yeah. It's so, it's so everything, everyone has such strong opinions about the way that they move through the world and their own like convenience and stuff. And it's hard. Yeah. Hard, Hard time right now. On yeah. the streets. Everybody slow down. <laughs> please, please slow down. Um, Paul, all right. Paul, what do you have? Oh, okay, my turn. Um, yeah, I go. have a really sweet story, so it's oh, great good. that I go next. Okay, um, oh, good. Yeah, you can break it up because <laughs> mine is less, less so. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> uh, the, so this one's from the Denver Post this week. Um, a lovely story about one of my favorite restaurants uh, about a block from where we're sitting right now, City O City, a staple, a vegetarian staple, vegan vegetarian food for a long time. Uh, the current owners... Lauren Roberts, Hannah Cool, and Jennifer Byers recently bought out a company I'd never heard of called Colorado Sun Tofu from Henry and Stella Hahn. Um, the, they're planning on moving the tofu manufacturing business from North Glen to Trinidad. But the, the thing that I thought was nice is that they've had this relationship with this tofu company for so long. And this married couple has just been making tofu at their house, I think, for, well, here's a quote. It's a very small operation. Very small. Yeah. The, 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 quoting from the post story, 
With no exaggeration, this was an operation run by a husband and wife who worked 12 p.m. to 1 a.m. every day, seven days a week. It was more like a shop and less like a plant, so they would serve some friends and some wholesale, around 30 clients they built up, but they had no time for marketing or creating standard operating procedures like a HASA plan. So it was really just like two people together loving each other and making tofu all day every day. That's amazing. Yeah. I love those kind of stories too, where it's like just, it's not it's not a big deal. It's like, I mean, it's a big deal to them, but they don't yeah. make a big deal to everybody else. And it becomes this like great little like, feel good. Hey, there's people out there doing things and they're doing great things and, and nobody knows about it. And that's what makes it kind of, that's what makes that a great story. Well, and this resurgence in the last decade around local, eating local, buying local, and thinking about uh, this couple that has been making tofu here in Denver for decades, they have been that. They've been that exact thing. Mm -hmm. And um, I thought that was so cool. I don't know. I I love that for City O City as well, that they're able to... And also, these folks can probably retire now. Can you imagine working that much? Oh, my gosh. They deserve it. Oh, boy. Um, Yeah, so the reporter on that story was Lily O'Neill. Thanks, Lily, for uncovering that. Great story. Um, all right, Lindsay, it's your turn. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, actually, I I have been doing a lot of research for a story that I'm doing in our upcoming June issue. But I saw a story in the Colorado Sun, and it's been reported a few few places. But I thought that it was interesting. It was reporting about a bill that was went through the Senate, and I think it's going to be going to the governor's desk. But about how hospitals now have to release the procedures that they will not do. And this has a lot Mm. to do with reproductive health care. And one of the things is a lot of hospitals now, depending on their associations with certain religious institutions, will not do tubal ligations, vasectomies, obviously abortions. But what happens is, is people go into these hospitals that maybe they've gone to for a long time and don't realize as they are maybe having a C-section that they can't get their tubes tied. And then they end up having to go do another surgery. surgery. Which is a thing that people do is you get because you're already kind of open for a C-section. They'll just do it while they're in there. Absolutely. And and it's, you know, whatever. It's like a little add-on. You know, it doesn't, t- it doesn't cost more money. You don't have to go back under anesthesia. But there's all of these things that you don't realize because of the fact that a lot of our hospitals in Colorado and in the Denver metro area are affiliated with religious institutions. And there is an issue of not being able to access care when there are, you know, your only option is maybe a hospital that has that. Particularly in Durango, that is a big deal. I was just Mm. gonna say that the rural areas where you don't have a lot of choice, like here in Denver, we have a ton of different hospitals. So if you don't want to go to one that's religiously affiliated, you most likely can find another one. Again, insurance can be murky, but, um, but also I thought, it was like uh, it also it covers gender affirming care. A lot of um, places won't won't provide that. But so this bill will say they have to state that outright, so you don't get deep in. It's a transparency thing, yeah. which I think is great. Hey, I understand certain religious organizations, and that's fine. Those are the things. But but as a person that's just going in for healthcare, to not know that those things aren't available because they don't kind of shout it from the rooftops is a problem, and especially in places, a lot of the mountain communities, Durango being another one, where if you don't have, you you know, what are you going to do if you're having a baby? You have to come down to Denver so that you can get Hmm. your tubes tied. So anyway, those are things that I think it's, I think it's fascinating. I think it's interesting to think about how, and there's been a lot of mergers recently, too, where seculars merging with non-secular. Yeah. The hospital world is an interesting place. 
interesting place right now. Seems like the economics are tricky. Like I've heard about some of these hospitals have like pretty precarious uh, economic situations and also the connections with the religious community. So some of these like bigger cultural conflicts we're having as a, as a country are playing out here. It's, it's interesting. We, might, we should maybe look into this a little bit more. Yeah. I mean, um, I think about, I had my son at uh Littleton at Centura, it's an Adventist hospital, but also mm. like the merger thing. I think my mom works for uh, for Porter, as as regular listeners know, and she's like, the Catholics took over our Adventist hospital and now they do the budgeting bad. And I'm like, what? <laughs> but it's like another institution has taken yeah. it over. And yeah. also I think there's this shift too. She's talked to me a lot about it. My mom's been a nurse for 50 years and the change from providing care as needed versus providing customer service. Mm. So it's a customer service issue. Like, how did we do? Like, how do we get so many people through the door? Like, it's a it's about efficiency in a way that's not necessarily about care. Mm. And I think a lot of healthcare professionals are stuck in this situation where they're like, I'm trying to provide care, but I'm getting hammered by our corporate saying, you need to serve more people and you, we need better we need better scores on our customer There's service a lot of surveys. metrics. Are you washing yes. your hands 27 times a day instead of like actually taking and care of And you have to a, yeah, check it all off on this checks app check and all these totally. things. And yeah. my mom's like, she started nursing in the 70s. She's like, do you think we were like checking an app every time we washed our hands? No, we just washed our hands because it's what you learn in nursing school. So hmm. I, I think that healthcare is going to have a reckoning on many levels. And this is an interesting component of it. Yeah. Is, not only transparency, but then, okay, how do we maybe overhaul this whole system to say who can and can't decide who gets care? Hmm. Fascinating. Well, yeah. we'll, um, we'll follow up on that stuff. bill. I mean, the, the legislative session is supposed to be ending this week. I mean, they could always stick around, I think, if they want to. But we'll <laughs> let you know what happens with that bill um, next week. Um, but for now, um, we're going to end that segment there. And we'll be back with some picks for your weekend. <laughs> What's up, weather fam? Rain or shine, I'm Andy Stein here with your CityCast Denver weather forecast for this weekend. And really, much like the last week, it's been pretty consistent. We've had afternoon highs in the low to mid-70s, overnight lows in the 40s, a little bit of afternoon cloud cover and rain shower activity. That's ultimately the forecast that we're going to have for this weekend as well. And into next week, too. We've been under what's called an omega block pattern. And if you want to find more out about that, go ahead and follow me on some of my social channels. You can just search for Rain or Shine. I'm Andy Stein. And I kind of dive into it a little bit more. So if you're looking for some of that weather knowledge, go ahead and uh, find that. But overall, hey, this is like perfect springtime weather in my opinion. I love temperatures in the 70s with afternoon cloud cover. This is also really good for the mountains and snowpack. This time of the year, snow starts to melt really quickly and a little bit of cloud cover helps to slow that process a little bit. And the slower we melt that snow, the better it is for our fire season. So overall, a great forecast. I hope you all enjoy. It's time for the official CityCast Denver maybe for your weekend, as in maybe you'll see us there. Because as usual, there's so many cool things happening in Denver this weekend, but there's only one where you might see us. Peyton Garcia rounds up her best bets in our newsletter, Hey Denver, every week, and she's here to give us her top picks. Peyton, welcome to the show. Hey, y'all. Hi. All right, let's get started. So first thing I have, this might just be me I'm making assumptions, but I think it might speak to Paul. Mm, um, okay, <laughs> I'm listening. It is 
two interactive parody performances put on by Audacious Theater. It's called Space Conflicts, May the Farce Be With You. Um, It is in honor of our unofficial Star Wars holiday, May the Fourth Be With You, which took place yesterday. Well, well, we're recording today. Yes, or today. Um, And so they're doing two performances, one on Saturday, one on Sunday, um, one in Illyria, Swansea, one in South Park Hill. Uh, and it's it's an in, so audacious theater does these interactive performances where the audience is invited to like get really involved. So I think hmm. it's going to be a lot of like really big Star Wars fans who go and like get super dressed up. And then it's supposed to celebrate like you know the last forty six years of Star Wars with silly props, witty farce, and hmm. time old sci fi tropes. It's kind of silly. That's silly fun. Uh-huh. I'm so out of Star Wars right now. I've been burned out by the last few years. It's like overload with that yeah. franchise. I don't know. I have some people at my office that would be really jazzed about that. So yeah, I think it's a very know. specific population. Really but yeah, mm-hmm. I, I kind of missed the bone on that. But hey, no judgment. I'm a Harry Potter freak. So. Yeah, this mm-hmm. is true. You are the Harry Potter, the resident Harry Potter freak. <laughs> um, all right, what else we got, Peyton? All right, well, um, sorry for those judgments on you, Paul. Um, <laughs> next one I'm personally excited about because I love the Denver Zoo. And they are partnering with the Filipino-American community of Colorado to host an Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Festival this weekend. Um, hmm. And it's it's included in general admission. So all that it's going to be is there's just going to be some extra fun stuff going on. So there's going to be some uh, art, live music, dance performances, and then some informative workshops about Asian animals and Asian conservation programs. Cool. That yeah, like fun. really neat. Yeah, it's and like I love zoo, zoo Plus. I love yeah. an excuse to go to the zoo, and I also love AAPI. So, and now you have a, you can take Benicio to the zoo. I know he's gonna love he's it. He's still really tiny and very white, so gotta shade him up. and take him out. Lindsay, are you a zoo person? You know, I have. I actually really like the Denver Zoo. Kind of depends on the zoo. Got to be honest. Some of them kind of bum me out a little no, bit. No, one hundred percent. I have a whole thing on this. We have an episode on it. Um, but I love the Denver Zoo. I think they do a great job. I'm a really big fan. Seems like a cool space for an event like this. Like if you're if you've got activities to do and you're you're mingling, you're see, enjoying cool, some like all these little food cool. Or, yeah, areas. I bet you yeah. the like Toyota That's what I was Elephant Passage, like which is very Asian themed anyway, is going to be like decked out. Be the spot. Yeah, it'll I'm, be. I'm cool. into it. That, that's a that's a good one. Okay, that's a front okay. for me right now. What else so we we've got two more, and I saved those two slots for two big things that happen on this weekend. Um, the first one is Cinco de Mayo. So it's Cinco de Mayo this Today. weekend. And I've got a couple of Cinco de Mayo events that I have listed in the newsletter. But the one that I'm choosing to highlight is um, in Westwood. Because as you know, I'm also a really big fan of all of the events they do there. They do such incredible cultural events. It's always free. And the community there is just always so into it so it makes it such a fun thing so they're having a big um cinco de mayo event um it's going to honor the historic batalla de puebla in mexico and there will be art live music cultural performances low riders lucha libre and much more brie you look excited i'm so stoked i love they just do it they just do it so good in westwood and the food is amazing Mm -hmm. and the the luchas are amazing and they usually i think they're gonna have a stage with live music mm-hmm. uh, it's gonna be so fun if you have not been to westwood yet for one of their like neighborhood gatherings this is like this is a great intro to it it totally is so, so that's fun. that's saturday from noon to seven and i think the thing like i said that westwood does so well is the community like 
really just gets for, so for, amped. Yeah, it's really for families and it's just, I and don't know. And the weather's going to be beautiful. Yeah, it's going to be perfect it's gonna to be, like be a, outside. Like a kickoff for summer. I like this. I can't wait. Yeah, that one's going to be really fun. Oh, I'm so stoked. Um, the other event that happens this weekend is Derby. It's oh, Derby Day, right. oh, which yeah. I always forget about because of Cinco de Mayo, <laughs> but that is happening. So I do have a couple of picks for Derby Day celebrations in the newsletter as well. But the one I'm choosing to highlight is going to be at Union Station because it's free to go. So you can make reservations at either the Terminal Bar or Cooper Lounge, and they're going to be having all sorts of drink specials, live music, and all sorts of like Derby related festivities. But you can also buy VIP tickets that'll give you like unlimited libation and other goodies and then they'll have the races streamed um, at Union Station so I thought that would be like if I was going to go to a derby event that seems like it's going to be a fun vibe break out the like, big hats and stuff yeah, yeah bust out your big hats fancy and you can go it's free if you want or you can mm-hmm. spend a little mon- money if you want exactly I like that it's the kind of thing it's nice to watch with a big crowd yeah it makes it absolutely I went to a Kentucky Derby party once hosted by someone from Kentucky it was it totally changed how I feel about the Derby. I previously did not care, but this person like super into it, wore a seersucker suit, baked this special pie, <laughs> Derby pie, which was like butter and chocolate and more butter and like pecans. It was so rich and decadent and they, they this guy had games to like make the he gave up horses to everybody so like this is the horse you cheer for this is wow. the horse and little, like a fact about it it was incredible it was incredible yeah I could, I could get excited about the derby yeah. again I, I mean I think those are four really good options this week if I do say so myself so we got Star Wars parody Mm, that's a meh from I think from, from us. Yeah, um, Denver Zoo. Denver Zoo, which was, sounded pretty cool. And I was again, weather's going to be great. Nothing's better than the zoo, and the weather's nice. Cinco de Mayo in Westwood. <sighs> that's tough. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's a pretty good one. Lindsay, where are you leaning? Mm, um, I might ha- I might have to go Derby. I'm from the South. It's it's hard to pass up. Derby I don't, I don't know. Station? Yeah, I've got a big hat. You know. You have oh you have the hat already. Oh, I have so many. I, come on, I have so many hats. <laughs> what would be your hat for this event? I've got a big red one that I. It's huge. It's ridiculous. It's so fun. <laughs> okay, um, Bree, what? Uh, you know I'm going to be in Westwood. Hands down. I think that might be the one for That's me too. Well, I can go to both, but... right? Like, oh yeah, totally. See, no, yeah. our rules are hard and fast. <laughs> we do need Fine. to pick just one. Okay, all right, Westwood. Westwood, it is. I wear my hat. I just wear my hat. There you go. There you go. Hats welcome there too. I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, And there you have it. The official CityCast Denver may be for your weekend, but there's way more where that came from. Peyton's got plenty more recommendations in our newsletter, Hey Denver, which you can subscribe to right now by texting Denver to 66866. Peyton, Bree, Lindsay, thanks so much for joining me. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's all for today here on CityCast Denver. Our producers this week were me, Paul Caroli, and Anne-Maria Wad. Peyton Garcia writes our morning newsletter, Hey Denver. Bree Davies is our host. Our music is by Los Mochachetes, with additional mixing by Tyler Lindgren. If you haven't already, subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter or Instagram at CityCast Denver, and tell JB Smoove, aka Caesar, about us the next time you see him. You can sign up for our daily newsletter by texting Denver to 66866 and learn more about us at denver.citycast.fm. See you next week.